Welcome into Words with Wallace. I am your host, Nick Wallace. We are back for episode three. Um, excited for you guys to join us today. Um, wanted to get things started and first off by saying hopefully you guys have enjoyed the NBA over the past couple days. It's been an awesome extended weekend of basketball here. It's Monday, uh, February 27th. Wanted to get that out of the way as well. So we've had about four games of NBA action since the NBA All-Star break and uh, the games have been incredible. Uh, between the you know what was it the Kings Clippers games breaking the all you know almost breaking the all time record for most points scored you had Dame dropping seventy one last night you had a crazy overtime game with the Celtics and the Pacers on night one um, it's been awesome it's it's been awesome to see everybody for the most part at full health and full strength um, and I think that just kind of goes to show um, why it would be really awesome if the NBA ever decided to short shorten its season. Um, to see these guys, you know, play on, you know, full rest, everyone's healthy, um, you know, it really, it really highlights that <laughs> the NBA season's way too long, 82 games is far too many, um, you know, it's, we're only a couple days away before all the load management struggles kick back up, and um, so it, it's definitely a pipe dream to say that I'd love to see the season shortened so we get more uh, weekends of NBA action like what we've seen, you know, the past couple days, but uh, realistically, it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen because the owners and, and all the teams would have to sign off on essentially uh, punting, you know, wh whatever it may be, 15 to 20 games of revenue just for the sake of uh, player health and, and making it a better product overall. It, it's going to stay at 82 games, but I wanted to just highlight how awesome uh, the past couple days have been uh, before we get into uh, the, the nitty gritty of the episode here. So we're going to be trying something different today. Um, you know, I know that this is mainly an audio podcast, but we are actually going to be uh, tier ranking all of the teams in the NBA. We're going to try to get through all 30. Uh, depending on how I'm doing on time, I may break it up into the Eastern Conference into part one and do the Western Conference in part two. I don't want it to go too long, so we'll, we'll see where we end up on that. But uh, again, I know uh, most of you guys are going to be listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you get your podcast. But I do post the video, uh, a face cam video normally, but... Uh, today, I do have uh, Tier Maker up in front of me. We have six different tiers here, and I will explain uh, what those mean in a minute. Um, so there is going to be a visual element to this week's episode. Hopefully, you guys enjoy it. Definitely check out the podcast at Words with Wallace on Facebook or YouTube, uh, and check out the videos that I post there. If you are checking it out on YouTube or Facebook, uh, let's address the, the elephant in the room, shall we? Uh, there is a large watermark on the screen. Um, you know, I use a lot of different software that I'm, I'm figuring out. I'm in the early stages here, um, and many of them do have watermarks. And so uh, I didn't think it was going to be a big deal, and it, it definitely <laughs> it definitely takes up most of the screen. Um, if you have a problem with it, I'm sorry. You know, we're just we're not at that level yet. We're not at that level to just pay for everything. You know, quite yet. You know, you guys can do your part by sharing the show, you know, telling a friend, you know, before you know it, I'm a full-time influencer. I got a code for water bottles. I'm advertising hair gel, you know, what up, sign me, Old Spice, whatever have you. Um, anyways, just wanted to address that. I'm sorry. It, it, it does get in the way a little bit, but we're going to rock and roll with it either way. Um, and without further ado, let's get things started, man. We got a lot of teams to cover um, and let's go through and explain these tiers first. So, the reason why I wanted to do a tier ranking for the NBA teams is I felt like this would make the most sense to, you know, logically address where each team is at. Um, I wanted to focus not necessarily just like, you know, anyone can pull up the standings and the records of the teams and, and evaluate where they're at and who you may think has a chance to win the title or whatever. But I am trying to kind of evaluate the, you know, longer term future of all these teams. You know, obviously contenders is 
represents you know who can contend for a championship in this current 2023 NBA season. Uh, but beyond that, I am taking into account the age of the players on the teams, you know, in some cases what their draft assets look like. And I wanted to make it as fair as possible um, and be, you know, give my you know honest opinion on where all these teams fall. So with that being said, at the top contenders, that's very obvious. It's teams that I feel like have an actual chance of winning the 2023 NBA title. Um, you know, I think that that's pretty clear. It speaks for itself. Uh, second tier, we have one piece away now. Um, you know, the NBA, it's, it's an ever-changing landscape. You know, there's constantly a, a disgruntled superstar that could, you know, request a trade or something like that. Um, in some cases, it is bringing in, like, another star or, you know, all-star caliber player. In other cases, it's just maybe bringing in a couple extra role players or something like that. So one piece away are the teams that are in the conversation. Um, you know, they'll probably win a playoff round or two, but they're not quite at the contending level. Um, the, the third tier that I have listed here is League Pass All-Stars. Um, and again, this is just, you know, mainly comprised of, of teams first and foremost that are fun to watch. My personal favorite teams to watch on NBA League Pass, um, teams that have, you know, young players, um, young assets, developing players, teams that are new and exciting, um, you know, maybe teams that have, you know, exceeded expectations just in general, um, you know, upper end of the pack teams that have really good vibes and, and are typically a little bit younger. Um, the fourth tier that we have here, I titled it Good Team, Bad Vibes. <laughs> um, this is a, a, going to be a handful of teams that, you know, they have solid rosters. They're, they're certainly not at that contending level. But for whatever reason, um, you know, the vibe around the team, the direction maybe that they're headed isn't, isn't the best. So I will explain that one more, of course, as we get uh, some teams to put in those tiers. Um, the fifth tier, which I would argue far and away is the worst tier, uh, where you do not want to be. I titled that Purgatory. Uh, simple is no simple enough. Uh, they're going no nowhere fast. They're not contending. They also haven't totally bottomed out, and they just have no idea what they're doing. It is far and away the number one spot you do not want to be in the modern NBA. Um, and then the last team we have is, is very simple and obvious. It is uh, Winless for Wemby. This is the sixth and final tier. Uh, winless for Wemby represents uh, Victor Wembanyama, who is the seven foot four, I guess, prospect. It's his height. He might even be as tall as seven five. Who knows? Uh, but he is a French basketball player that is uh, expected to declare for the 2023 NBA draft if he has not already. He's, uh, in my opinion, the greatest NBA prospect probably since LeBron, um, if not certainly since Zion. Um, he's incredibly talented. He's, you know, what every team is bottoming out in hopes of, of landing him. Of course, with how the NBA, uh, you know, lottery system works, um, only the top three teams, I think that they have, uh, you know, roughly a 15% chance of, of landing him. Uh, Victor Wembanyama, that is, if they were to land the, the you know, first overall pick. Uh, but it's really, there's four teams that have far and away bottomed out this season and are going to have, you know, three of them are going to have the best chance to get Wembanyama. That fourth team uh, will have a slightly lower percent chance um, I think it's actually 14% is the highest you can get at, at getting Wembenyama. So, um, you know, that, that's, that's pretty obvious as well. So um, without further ado, let's get into it. Let's get into our first team on the board here. I did go by conference, so we're starting off with the East and more specifically the Atlantic Conference. Um, and we're going to get things started with the Philadelphia 76ers. So this was a tricky one for me at first, um, but I ultimately landed on one piece away. Now, maybe this is there's some recency bias to watching them. Um, make a, a pretty decent comeback against the Celtics the other day uh, in the Saturday primetime game on ABC. Um, you know, they came back a little bit, but ultimately the Celtics came out on top. And I do just feel like they're one piece away. Um, I didn't absolutely love um, their trade deadline. I think, 
you know, them giving away Thibault and, and getting back Jalen McDaniels, it seems like kind of a lateral move for the most part. Um, I don't think that that made them that great. But in general, I, I just worry about their guards, you know, defensively. Uh, for the most part, like when Harden and Maxi are out there together, they're really not stopping anybody. And it's obviously a guard-centered league. You know, if they play against Boston, they're going to have a tough time, you know, keeping pace. It's, it's really two polar opposite teams. Um, obviously, their half-court offense is, is pretty great with Harden and Embiid and, and their unstoppable pick and roll. Um, you know, Embiid's been on fire this season. He's averaging, you know, 33-10-4. Uh, but ultimately, I don't think that they can beat Milwaukee or Boston in the series, and I don't feel like they're a real contender for that reason. So I'm going to put them in one piece away, but they're likely at the top of that tier. So uh, moving on here to the New York Knicks, um, this was also kind of a tricky team to rank. Um, I ultimately settled on League Pass All-Stars. I think that lately they've been on fire. I mean, they're 8-2, and two, or actually now with the win over Boston, they're 9-2 and two in the month of February. So they've been rolling lately, and I think above all else, you know, they're a testament as to why, uh, you know, it sounds kind of dumb saying it out loud, but signing good players is, is typically a good thing. Like, there was a lot of talk of if they overpaid for Jalen Brunson and, and what that contract number looks like, but... You know, the, the cap is going up. <laughs> the cap is going up. The TV deals are just going to keep getting larger and larger. And, you know, by the end of Jalen Bronson's tenure, if he ages well, which I'm sure he will uh, with how much skill he has, that's going to look like a fantastic contract. And he has been a revelation for that team. He's been awesome. Julius Randle has been, you know, incredible again, you know, making the all-star team and having a major bounce back season after last year. Um, you know, I think a couple things to look for is, you know, for them to, to move up into the next tier, which would be one one piece away. I'd like to see R.J. Barrett make more of a leap or for them to go out and, and sign another big free agent. You know, they're still relatively thin. They have Tibbs at, as their head coach. Um, and, you know, he doesn't like to play the bench very much. And, you know, one of their younger players in Obi Toppin is actually kind of falling out of the rotation as we speak. So um, just a couple things to keep an eye on with the Knicks. But they've been on fire. And this is a big win against the Celtics tonight that I'll touch more on um, in a later podcast, I'm sure. But uh, 9-2 and two in February, I feel like they're in the league past All-Stars because they're very fun to watch. So moving on to the Brooklyn Nets. Um, they are a team that, um, I, I know I've said this three times in a row now, but again, was pretty difficult to rank because they are an entirely <laughs> new team based on what we saw before the trade deadline. Um, of course, trading away Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in consecutive days, essentially. Um, they have an entirely new roster. Um, I think that, you know, they, I would put them in the league past All-Stars because they're kind of fun, but they have one massive problem, a, a six foot ten problem that can't shoot. Um, and that, that problem is Ben Simmons. I mean, he is a, a massive dark cloud kind of hanging over that fran franchise. Nicely fitted cloud, though. He's, he's always bringing those crazy fits on the sidelines because, you know, inevitably he doesn't play too much. But, um, you know, this is a really good spot for Ben Simmons, to be completely honest with you, where he has the makings around him, you know, to really, you know, people said before the season, like, hey, this is a great situation for Ben Simmons playing along Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. But... You know, now he, he really has it where now because there are those stars are gone, there's really no pressure and no expectations surrounding this, this Nets team. Uh, I should mention that they're, you know, currently 34 and 26. They're sixth in the Eastern Conference. Um, they're going to fall down the standings quite a bit. Um, you know, I just feel like this would be a, a, a much better vibes around this team if Ben Simmons was actually a part of this roster. Jock Vaughn clearly doesn't know what to do with the guy. He's not playing very much right now. Uh, but they have a lot of wings. They have so many wings. I, I actually suggested a team name, uh, maybe to maybe like a bird of prey instead of the Brooklyn Nets, maybe like the Brooklyn Condors. I think that would sound, that would go crazy, frankly, in my opinion. Uh, you know, they have Mikal Bridges, Cam Johnson, Royce O'Neal, Dorian Finney-Smith, Joe Harris. 
um, Yuta, the shooter. Um, so I think they have a lot of great players. I just, you know, feel like eventually they just kind of fall in the bad vibes here because of Ben Simmons. But who knows? They could shock the world and impress some teams. Maybe they stick around. I could see them making the play-in game, but I don't think they'll eventually make the playoffs. So, um, but they have a lot more moves to come. They'll have a busy offseason, you know, with how many wings they have with Steph Curry or Seth Curry, excuse me, falling out, falling out of the rotation. Um, you know, they'll make a lot of moves this offseason, and, and I have a, a feeling they'll have a totally different looking team by uh, come October. So. Uh, with that being said, let's move on to the Raptors. You know, currently the Raptors are sitting at 30 and 32. They are ninth in the Eastern Conference, and I think I have to put them in good teams, bad vibes as well. Um, you know, relative to you know, I, I, again, everything in the NBA is, is it's relative. Everything in life really is is relative to expectations, right? Like. You know, if you think a team's going to contend for a championship and they end up as a, a seven seed, that's going to be a terrible season. Where on the other end of the spectrum, you've got a team like the Kings that are currently sitting at third in the West and, and vibes are fantastic. Like, I just feel like relative to the Raptors' expectations before the season, they've fallen short. Um, they have a lot of young talent in Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam. Um, I just, they've been disappointing all season. Um, I feel like Nick Nurse is. Taking a hit PR-wise, I kind of just feel like he's, he's Tom Thibodeau with better PR considering he plays his starting lineup like 40 minutes a game, and it's been like that for about three years now. They're running a lot of miles on Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, but you know, they're not really developing anybody off their bench. They're really thin at guard. Um, they are, you know, kind of surging a little bit. They're seven to three in their last in their you know last ten games, which is great. But um, the scary thing is that they have to, you know, really hit their twenty twenty three pick, and they have to, you know, kind of turn it around quick. I don't think that they're in, in, you know, risk of being into a rebuild sooner rather than later. I think that they can try to stay middle of the pack and stay competitive. But there's a lot of pressure on this upcoming draft pick because potentially the following three draft picks after this offseason. Uh, might be heading to San Antonio, depending on how it all shakes out with, with um, you know, conditions on those picks uh, from the Kawhi trade and everything like that. So uh, moving on to the next team, we have the Boston Celtics. Um, this is an easy addition into contenders. They're uh, 44 and 18 now. I believe they're still first in the Eastern Conference, even after the loss to the Knicks tonight. Um, the Bucks may have passed them. I, that's all I'm really going to say on the Celtics. They're an easy addition to contenders. Uh, reason being is that uh, my good friend RJ Rosaza is going to be joining me next week, and we are going to be talking C's Celtics vibe check. Um, so we will be, um, you know, talking about that more than I don't want to say too much on the Celtics as of right now. So uh, with that, that's kind of where the Atlantic Conference falls. It's been a pretty strong conference overall this season, or a uh, pretty strong division overall this season. Um, and let's move on to the Southeast. So uh, we have the Charlotte Hornets next, uh, sitting at 19 and 43. They're uh, second to last in the Eastern Conference. This is a very obvious addition into, uh, and our first addition into winless for Wemby. So uh, there's really not much to say about Charlotte. I mean, it's nice that LaMelo's back and playing a little bit now. He, he certainly doesn't seem like a happy camper there. I um, feel like that should probably be their focus moving forward is to just keep LaMelo Ball happy, make sure he doesn't make history and be the first person to turn down the rookie max extension, which I think is possible just kind of based on the vibes in Charlotte. Um, you know, they did kind of catch a bad break this offseason. I mean, people don't talk about it. I mean, Miles Bridges is an all-time bad dude and, of course, had a domestic violence incident that, you know, sufficiently ended his NBA career and the Hornets made a great call of, um, you know, 
pulling the plug on him, and rightfully so. But that being said, he was, you know, their second most valuable player uh, far and away, and I think that they're feeling that a lot. I mean, the Gordon Hayward contract was laughable at the time. It's still laughable. Um, they're finally free uh, of the shackles of that contract after next season. Um, but it's not a fun it's not a fun team to watch. It's, you know, at least they have LaMelo Ball. Um, but at least their direction is clear. They're trying to tank, and you know they really, really need uh, Wembenyama. And I think that might be one of the only things that could keep Lamelo Ball happy at this point. So, uh, moving on, we have the Washington Wizards, and they are our first addition into purgatory. Uh, not where you want to be. Just as a friendly reminder, uh, currently the Wizards are 28 and 32. They're 10th in the East, and you know what do we do now? Is kind of the question that you're asking yourselves if you're a Wizards fan. You know, you pay Bradley Beal in the offseason. I don't necessarily hate that move because you don't want to end up like the Mavericks and just have a top-level player just kind of walk for nothing. I think you kind of have to re-sign Beal just to keep him as an asset. You know, Beal made it pretty clear he wanted to stay in Washington, uh, mainly just to get that maximum contract extension, which he eventually got. The difficult thing now is that, you know, you're not really, you're certainly not competing. You're 10th in the Eastern Conference. I mean, Porzingis has played well, and I, I like that move. I think that's the silver lining, but... Now is the time to hit the button, man. Nuke the team, rebuild entirely, you know, move on from Beal. If you can re-sign Porzingis, I believe his contract is up after this season. I think you do it, and then you try to move him into smaller assets or, you know, future first-round picks, uh, preferably. I don't know exactly what the, the market value for Kristaps is, but I do think that they benefited from making that trade. All they gave up was Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis Bertans to acquire him halfway through last season. So, you know, it could be worse. At least you have two relatively fun players to watch. Uh, it's really tough that Johnny Davis, uh, the 10th overall pick um, out of Wisconsin, I want to say, uh, of this past year's draft is just, you know, he's on the milk carton, right? I mean, that guy is nowhere to be found. Um, they got to be haunted by the fact that Jalen Williams and uh, Ochai Abaji out in Utah are just a couple picks after Johnny Davis. If you're in that middle stage, you really can't afford to miss on a draft pick like that, where, you know, two weeks in, it was pretty obvious that, you know, things weren't. You know, the PR around Johnny Davis has been pretty terrible over the past couple, you know, basically since he got drafted. So uh, that's tough for the Wizards. They're an easy addition into purgatory. And uh, I think I've said more than enough on Wizards. So moving on to the Miami Heat, um, this is kind of a tough one. You know, Miami was one of the most difficult teams to rank. And purely out of respect for them, I actually landed on one piece away uh, for the Miami Heat in our second tier in one piece away. Uh, they're 32 and 29. They're seventh in their in, in the Eastern Conference, um, and I think that they're probably a big piece away for, for what it's worth. But man, they're the definition of a team that nobody wants to play. Like you know, we forget. I don't forget as a Celtics fan, and I'm sure many of you watching this don't forget either that they were Miami was one shot, one Jimmy Butler shot that I I thought absolutely 100 percent was going down uh, away from, from competing for a championship against the Warriors in the finals last year. So, um, you know, right now, obviously they're seventh place in the East. They haven't had a great season, but they still have Jimmy Butler. They still have a crafty front office. Um, you know, they still have Bam Adebayo, who's been fantastic this season, just like he was last season. Um, of course they're the team that got Kevin Love, like, duh, of course they, they luck out and they get Kevin Love, which I'll talk about more in a little bit here when we talk about the Cavs, but, um, that's going to be a blessing for them. You know, Kevin Love isn't going to have to do much on defense with the presence of having Bam right next to him. He's still able to space the floor. He's still able to rebound the ball. And he adds a lot of size for for Miami, which I think they needed. I mean, they've been playing. I, I think Caleb Martin has started a lot of games technically at the power forward position for them throughout the season. He's like six foot five, six foot six. So 
Um, they don't have a lot of size out there, but they they fight hard. They're a team nobody wants to play. I'm praying to God that the Celtics don't they don't find their way to the Celtics in round one of the playoffs. Um, but I do respect Miami a lot, so I, I stuck them in one piece away. So with that, let's move to one of my favorite teams and the easiest addition uh, to League Pass All-Stars in the Orlando Magic. Um, again, they're in our third tier League Pass All-Stars. Now, that might be surprising to some that haven't watched the Magic because they are 25 and 36. They're 13th in the Eastern Conference right now. Uh, but man, they are so fun to watch. I think with I think they'd probably be my favorite team to watch this season. I, I definitely find myself gravitating them uh, more than most on League Pass. I mean, they're just a freaking weird team, dude. Like they have, you know, Paulo has been incredible. Of course they have the first overall pick of this past year's draft. Who's been, you know, that looks like a home run. I mean, they, they got the pick right from what we can tell. It's been awesome, but they have so much length and size with Franz Wagner. Um, obviously Paulo bowl, bowl, seven foot two running around, basically playing the wing position out there. Um, Jonathan Isaac has been back, you know, for the first time in two years and been playing really good. Of course they have Wendell Carter as well. Um, they're one of the few point guard needy teams in the league. I, I'd still put them in that bucket, even with, you know, kind of the, the Markel Fultz resurgence we've seen over the past couple months of the season. But they're an extremely fun team to watch because they are so tall. Um, they do play so hard. I think they have two um, really great stars and, and really great wing players in Franz Wagner and, and Paulo Bencaro. I wouldn't be surprised if, if next year you start getting some weird Celtic comparisons to them um, just because they do have two really dominant wing players like the Celtics have now in Tatum and Brown. So maybe a younger, taller version of the Celtics is, is a best case scenario for the outlook of the magic, but um, they're a really fun team. It, it might've been cool to see them get a guy like Fred Van Fleet um, at the, at the trade deadline, just to kind of solidify the point guard position. Um, but then again, I'm sure they're happy with their spot at, you know, having like the fifth or sixth best odds at getting Wemby if, you know, they could get blessed and, and luck their way into another giant on the team. I don't even know how that would work out, but it would be a lot of fun for Orlando. So love watching them. Easy addition to League Pass All-Stars. So moving on here to the Atlanta Hawks. Um, I think this was a pretty obvious choice, and I, I also put them in good team, bad vibes. Um, I think that <laughs> bad vibes are kind of the story of Trey Young's career, kind of uh, off the court anyway. I mean, on the court, he's still an incredible player, but... You know, the Hawks are 31 and 30. They're eighth in the East. Um, and they've had four coaches in five years. I mean, they just, as of yesterday, they signed uh, Quinn Snyder to a multi-year deal. I think that's a guy that can add some certainty to the coaching room can, and can certainly add some experience um, as well. Uh, I think it, from what, on the surface, it looks like a great signing. But, you know, there's a lot to fix there. There, there is a lot to fix. But there's also a lot to be optimistic about. I mean, they have nine real guys in their rotation. Like, I was just kind of looking through, and I was like, man, they're still really deep. And, you know, they, they made a really great trade at the, at the trade deadline, getting Sadiq Bey for a bunch of second-round picks. Like, now they have another wing. Like, you know, maybe at, at some point, you know, they're, the amount of depth that they've had over the past several seasons actually is, is kind of leading to why the locker room is so unhappy because they have so many guys out there that are worthy of getting real NBA minutes that – um, it just kind of boils over, and there's a lot of frustration there, and it, it doesn't help by Trey, Trey Young seeming like a pretty unlikable dude. But um, you know, they're a good team. They're eighth in the East. You know, you know, I'm sure they'll make the playoffs. It, it, I think they'll get out of the play-in game, but um, I'm not willing to put them any higher than that. I think that they might be at a crossroads depending on how this offseason goes for them. So, moving on to uh, one of my favorite teams so far, and, and that's the Cleveland Cavaliers. They are. Uh, a really easy addition into one piece away. Um, they're 39 and 25. They're fourth in the East. And I absolutely love the Cleveland Cavaliers. I think 
their roster makes so much sense. And if I could, I, I almost, I actually debated creating a new tier, um, maybe in between contenders and one piece away and just titling it coming soon. And it was just going to be the Cavs. And the reason being is that I actually feel like if they're young guys, and this is a big if, if they keep their current roster and, and they continue to develop over the next you know, two to three years, I think this roster as currently constructed, constructed could win a championship. Um, that's how high I am on Donovan Mitchell. That's how high I am with the, the backcourt pairing of him alongside Darius Garland. Uh, and that's how high I am on Evan Mobley. I think the team makes sense. I think it's, it's not a problem whatsoever to have two ball-dominant players in Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland because they are such good three-point shooters that they, you know, attract the defensive pressure even when they're off the ball. Um, they're extremely fun to watch. Um, I think that really the only negative thing I can say about the Cavaliers is I it really pissed me off that they just kind of bought out Kevin Love. And by kind of bought out, I mean they did buy out Kevin Love just a couple weeks ago before the deadline. You know, I understand that there's value to goodwill and, and doing right by your guys. And, you know, Kevin Love, it, it, Kevin Love is a well-loved and respected player in Cleveland because he was a part of that 2016 championship team. That being said, like you got to recognize that you're fourth in the Eastern Conference and that you are, you know, going to be getting real playoff experience right now and that you are relatively close to winning a championship, in my opinion. Like, maybe that's an overstatement, but, you know, goodwill and stuff like that kind of goes out the window. Like, abide by a trade request. Like, find a way to get him to a destination that you want. But just letting him hop on a boat to Miami is, it, it really sucks, like, for a team like that to not collect any assets back for getting a, a player back in Kevin Love that is still capable um, sad to see him fall out of the rotation there in Cleveland, but I didn't like that move. But, you know, besides that, I think that their roster makes complete sense. Um, as I mentioned, Garland and, and Mitchell, of course, having Mobley there as well. I like that they have some adults in the room, some veteran presence as well. They have Ricky Rubio. They signed Danny Green at the deadline. They still have Robin Lopez there. Um, but I do think that they, you know, as currently constructed, they're going to need to manage everyone's contract. They're going to need to continue to develop this talent. Um, and they do only have one first-round pick over the next couple years. That's something to keep in mind, uh, mainly because of the Mitchell trade, which, again, that's a great trade. I think you do that 10 out of 10 times. But um, there is a little bit of pressure there to bring in another role player um, when they have that first-round pick, not this upcoming offseason, but the following offseason in 2024. With that, let's move on to the Detroit Pistons, and we'll try to keep this one brief, man. I mean, they're 15 and 46. They're dead last in the Eastern Conference. It's a very obvious uh, you know, tier for winless for Wemby. That's exactly where they're headed. Um, and at first I, I was kind of thinking out of the bottom four teams at first, I was kind of thinking that Detroit would be my top choice is, is to, if I had a, a choice as to where Webb and Yama would land, I would suggest that it would be the Detroit Pistons after doing a deeper dive of that roster. I, I no longer feel like that's the case. I mean, I really like Cade Cunningham. Um, it's pretty disappointing that he really hasn't played at all this season. He's going to be out the rest of the year. But I think that they have a really strong backcourt in Cade and Ivy. I think it makes sense that they've been willing to take flyers on two different players that were uh, labeled as busts after being second overall picks in the NBA draft in um, Marvin Bagley and James Wiseman. So I, I do feel like you know, there's some things to be excited about, but I've, it doesn't make sense that they traded away Sadiq Bey. I don't understand that at all. All you collected was a couple different second-round picks back for a 23-year-old guy and really one of your only players that plays the wing position at all. Um, you don't need to lower your draft stock anymore, guys. You're, you're dead last in the Eastern Conference. You're going to have the highest percentage chance to grab Wembenyama. I understand that that is the priority. But you don't need to trade away a guy who's 23 and is one of your only you know, semi-valuable wings that you
have. You know, really the rest of the roster is just a collection of, you know, players at the guard position and at the center position as well. Uh, love Jalen Duran. I think there's some stuff to be exciting about. But, you know, fit-wise, I don't know if it makes the most sense for Wembenyama, but obviously if they get the first pick, that's, you know, that's who they'll take. So um, pretty easy addition into winless for Wemby for the Detroit Pistons. So moving on to the Indiana Pacers, um, this was kind of a tricky one as well. Um, you know, they're, tw- they're 27 and 35. They're 12th in the East right now. Um, but I think that their vibes are simply, are simply too high to put them in good team, bad vibes. Um, and they're also not really a good team. So I just kind of stuck them in league pass all-stars. Um, reason being is, is they just absolutely dominated the, the draft this past year. Um, I believe Benedict Matherin was the seventh pick in the draft and he, you know, early returns on him are looking like he might be the most valuable player in the draft outside of uh, Apollo uh, from Orlando. So, um, he's been fantastic. He, he started off really hot, and he's actually kind of come on a little bit lately as well. Um, they also grabbed Andrew Nemhard from Gonzaga um, with one of the first picks of the second round, and he's already early returns on him. I mean, he's a really pro-ready guy, so it makes sense that he's been in the rotation. But um, I like the moves that they've made recently. Of course, going back to the trade for Tyrese Halliburton, first-time All-Star, that's very exciting for him. Um, acquiring him at the deadline last season, um, you know, he's been fantastic. Uh, I just feel like they also made a great signing in finally ending the, you know, three years of Miles Turner trade talks and just coming out and re-signing the guy. I think that that makes sense to keep him under contract. He's been playing fantastic this season. Hit eight of ten threes against the Celtics the other night. I mean, that was downright obnoxious as a Celtics fan to have him absolutely torch the Celtics, especially with him uh, being tied to so many different trade rumors for the for the Celtics the past couple of years. So uh, I do think the vibes around Indiana is high. I think you'd like to see them, you know, close the season pretty strong here and just kind of start to rattle off some wins with how many how much talent they have on their roster. Like they're not just a young core. They have guys like Buddy Heald. They have guys like Miles Turner. Um, and you you know put that in a rotation with Benedict Matherin, who's likely going to be six man of the year, or at least in the conversation, uh, as well as, you know, Chris Duarte and a few other guys in, in Halliburton. So um, I like the Pacers. I think that they are a fun team to watch. I gravitate them toward, toward them quite a bit on league pass. So that's where I ended up settling on them. Next, we have the Milwaukee Bucks, and, and I'll try to keep this one brief as well. They're such an obvious addition to contenders. They may or may not have passed the Celtics in the East. I got to double check the standings um, for first place in the Eastern Conference. Um, Giannis is the best player of the world. I don't even, you know, that's certainly not a hot take by any means. Um, it's, it's a pretty easy addition to the contenders. And they're also red hot. I think they've won, like, what, 14 in a row now? Um, the scary thing is that they are, without a doubt, they're better than last season. Um, you know, Middleton, if you look at his numbers, he, it's nothing impressive, but that's because he's only playing 20 minutes a game. He's on a pretty strict minutes restriction. But there's so much to be excited about if you're a Bucks fan. I mean, you know, you brought in Joe Ingles, you brought in Jay Crowder. Those are two guys that have, have been in playoff games that are battle tested. Um, I think they can be a little bit overrated at times, mainly Crowder. But you know, if you're taking away minutes from from Wesley Matthews and, and Grayson Allen, you really can't go wrong. That's still a positive. Um, they're a fantastic team that's going to be a lot better than what they were last season. And as a Celtics fan, I'm pretty scared of them. Um, I do think that it uh, to win the championship, I think that's going to be determined in the Eastern Conference Finals. I think it's going to be Boston versus Milwaukee, and I think whoever wins that series is going to win the championship. Um, and I also have to mention the jump that we've seen from Drew Holiday. He's been fantastic. He, he was well-deserved as an All-Star this season. I think it was only his second All-Star appearance. Um, offensively, lately, he's really had some big games for them, and that's really where he's um, somewhat taking a leap. Obviously, he's an older player, um, and I just think he's one of those guys that does whatever the team asks of him. So, um, you know, really, really high in Milwaukee. Of course, they're an easy addition into contender. So 
With that, let's move on to our final team in the Eastern Conference. I feel like we're making pretty good time, so we'll definitely have all this as one pod. Uh, let's move on to the Chicago Bulls, and they are going to be joining the Washington Wizards in Purgatory, where you do not want to be. Uh, they're 28 and 33, and you know vibes are absolute dog shit with this team. Let's let's call it how it is. Um, you know some of it's not their fault. There's some really bad luck surrounding Lonzo Ball. You know he's had some knee issues um, that have been really serious and, and kept him out the entire season. And at this point, um, really unlikely that he comes back at all this season. So that's a big blow to them. The Vucevic trade is absolutely terrible. I mean they traded. Uh, for Nikola Vucevic from the Orlando Magic, um, and they traded away Wendell Carter. They traded away the draft pick that became Franz Wagner, and I believe they traded away some other assets as well. Um, you know, they I respect them for being competitive and feisty last year, and, and they had you know some fun moments with Demar Derozan and Zach Levine. But you know, frankly, they are not they're not winning at, at this team uh, at, with this team as currently constructed. Um, their first-round pick situation, as it currently stands, is pretty dicey. There's a lot of stipulations on their next couple picks, and it would really behoove them to just bottom out and hit the button. So uh, that's what I advise all these purgatory teams to do: hit that button, man, nuke the team, rebuild. You know, trade away DeRozan. You know, piece by piece, trade away Levine. You know, whatever you can get for Vucevic. I think it's time um, because right now they are in the smack dab in the middle of no man's land, and they were easy addition into purgatory. Uh, with that, that is kind of where the Eastern Conference falls. Pretty balanced. I didn't know how this was going to end up looking, but uh, looks like it's pretty balanced. Just to recap, uh, the contenders in the Eastern Conference, I have the Celtics and Milwaukee. One piece away, I have Cleveland Cavs, uh, you know, Sixers, Heat. Um, and then the League Pass All-Stars, I have the Knicks, Magic, and Pacers. Uh, good team, bad vibes. I have the Nets, Raptors, and Hawks. Uh, Purgatory, I have the Wizards and Bulls, and winless for Wemby, we have the Hornets and the Pistons. So that's mostly chalk there, I'm guessing, uh, when you kind of look at their standings. But um, I think it'll get a little bit spicier as we move on to the Western Conference here. So first team we have listed in the Western Conference is the Dallas Mavericks, and I am going to put them into one piece away. Um, You know... I almost put them in, in good team, bad vibes, because I feel like I feel the bad bad vibes coming. Like, I feel a tummy ache coming on after I've had some ice cream uh, because they traded for Kyrie Irving. Uh, but I am going to put them in one piece away. I mean, Luka Doncic is, hands down, I think the second best player in the world. That There's nobody that's figured it out. I guess there's two guys that have really cracked the code and figured it out on offense, and that's... Um, Luka and Jokic, of course, you know, he's incredible. You can't say enough positive things about, about the Mavericks. But, um, you know, defense is a problem. I, I think the magic of, of having Jason Kidd as a head coach and them being really high on defensive metrics last season has kind of worn off a little bit. Um, you know, I think that they're, what, 22nd in defensive rating on the season. It's, it's not great. It just got significantly worse with the departure of Dorian Finney-Smith. They're definitely going to feel that. You feel that in games like, you know, the other day against the Lakers. Um, fantastic game yesterday, but uh, eventually the Lakers made a huge comeback and came back on top, or came out on top despite some really incredible shooting from the Mavericks um, in the first quarter anyway. So I feel like they're a pretty obvious addition to one piece away. I think that their next couple moves really need to be, um, for as, as much as I have kind of shit on the Kyrie trade here, I think you obviously have to try to re-sign him at the very least. If, if it's not in a move to re-sign him for the sake of having him on the roster, you need to make sure you keep him and move him for assets. So um, that's kind of where I feel like it, it's a pretty easy addition into one piece away for the Mavericks. They are hands down a worse team than what they were last season. Um, you know, a lot of people might think they're better just because they got Kyrie. It's like, 
and, and Christian Wood. I understand that, but you're losing Dorian Finney-Smith. You're losing Jalen Brunson. Um, I think the West was a little bit weaker last season as well, a, a lot weaker actually. Um, and so I don't think that they're going to make any noise in the playoffs this year. Moving on to the Houston Rockets, and this is, a again, an extremely easy addition into winless for Wemby. This is really obvious. Um, they are 13-47, and 47, uh, which is dead last in the West and dead last on the league overall. They're definitely going to have uh, the top three odds that you're looking for to land Wembenyama. And I think if it was up to me, again, I mentioned earlier that I was thinking that the Pistons might be my favorite spot for, for landing Wembenyama. I, I was stupid to even think that for a second. It's clearly the Rockets. I think if you're a Rockets fan, you know, unlike these other teams in this tier, um, you actually have some things to be excited about, whether you get Wembenyama or not, uh, because they have, you know, a young core. They have a young core in, you know, Jalen Green. They have Jabari Smith. They have Sengun. They have Tari Eason, um, who are guys that I think that are obviously super young and guys that you can build around. I think that they make sense roster construction-wise. The number one thing I would say is, good God, if they get Wembenyama, you need you need to make sure Kevin Porter Jr. is nowhere near that team next season. I'm not entirely sure what his contract situation looks like for next year, but um, I like Kevin Porter Jr. He's, he's an absolute hooper. Uh, he's super fun to watch, but he does not help your team win. He keeps the ball out of the hands of Jabari Smith and Jalen Green, and if he does it to Wembenyama, I'm going to lose my mind. But that is a team that could get really, really good really fast if they just, you know, get Porter, Kevin Porter Jr. They just cut him after the season. I think they can do so without really suffering any consequences. So um, they'll definitely likely, and, and they should make that move either way, but bringing in Wembenyama to that core would be super exciting. And even if not, they have a lot to be excited about in the development of Jalen Green and Sengun this season. It's been uh, a lot of fun to watch. Uh, real quick on the Rockets, too. Uh, I have to say this because they made a, a cameo last night in, in helping support Damian Lillard's 71-point game. Uh, it was kind of funny to see Boban, like, run around out there a little bit. I know he's, like, the 13th guy on the roster on the worst team in the league. I'm going to talk about it because when that guy's out there, people don't know what to do, man. They are so freaked out. He always scores, like, 10 points in five minutes. I understand he gives up a lot on the other end. But it is so funny to watch them just kind of chuck out hit the Boban button every once in a while and watch teams freak out. So um, I thought that was fun. It was fun to get a little Boban cameo in a game that had a lot of eyes on it because of the success of Damian Lillard last night. So I uh, wanted to shout out Bobby as well. And shout out Bobby's agent, man. He's, he's landing commercials like nobody's business. Good for him. So uh, moving on and back-to-back -back here, we have another team in winless for Wembenyama in the San Antonio Spurs. They are... Uh, one win better than the Rockets. They're 14 and 47. They're 14th in the Western Conference. Um, and this one is, is funny to me. I mean, I really, there's no team I would rather watch less than the San Antonio Spurs. I think if you want me to actually watch a Spurs game, somebody's, we're going to have to start landing sponsors here in short order. Um, you could not pay me to watch this team as currently constructed right now. I do think the irony with Popovich is funny. It's, it's been stated a lot. Him, you know, giving some long-winded press conference at the end of last season about how he could never, you know, look at his team and, um, you know, never tank, honestly. He could never, you know, promote having that in the, in the locker room and everything like that. And they have proceeded to tank aggressively hard. Granted, it's not that hard for them because that roster is absolute trash. I think Sohan is really the only person that you can be excited about if you, you know, kind of crawl through it. I guess you have Kelvin Johnson as well. Devin Vassell has been putting up big numbers because somebody has to. Uh, but it's, 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 you know, there's no team that needs Wembenyama more. 
than San Antonio, without a doubt. At least these other teams have some young assets to be exciting about, but because San Antonio has been so anti-tank until this season, you feel the effects of that when you look at the roster. I mean, if it's not Wembenyama, then all their, you know, their top assets are going to come into the draft in the next couple years. So they're a team to keep an eye on. It's, it's interesting to see how long Pop sticks around if they don't get Wembenyama. Uh, so just some other storylines to make note of. Moving on to the New Orleans Pelicans, uh, 30 and 31. This is a sad one, man. There was a time in which they were actually atop the Western Conference earlier in the season. They were right there with Denver. Uh, out of respect to them, I'm still going to put them in league pass all-stars. I don't know where else they would really fit. Uh, I guess you could argue they're in good team, bad vibes, because the vibes are just terrible uh, around them because of the latest update for, for Zion's injury. You know, it's, it's, they really don't know what's going on with Zion, man. Um, there's been another setback. He's out another extended period of time. I think at this rate, you know, there's only 20 games left in the season. We're really three-quarters of the way through. Uh, with a guy like Zion, you, you probably just shut him down again. You know, the, the positive, the silver lining is that they finally have Brandon Ingram back. You know, Brandon Ingram and Zion have only played 12 games together all season. Uh, but B.I. has looked really good uh, the last 15 games. He's averaging 25 points per game. Um, they just ha they have a really good team, man. We just haven't seen it yet. We haven't seen it yet. We haven't seen Zion and Brandon Ingram healthy. We was hoping this was going to be their year. The short sample size we have of them being relatively healthy, they were atop the Western Conference, and that was even without Brandon Ingram. Um, they're super deep. They have a ton of wings. I don't really understand the move that they made to acquire Josh Richardson at the trade deadline. Um, they already have a lot of wings in... Um, you know, Herb Jones, they have Brandon Ingram, uh, a few other guys as well. So I just didn't really understand the, the need to pick them up. Trey Murphy, dunk contest participant as well. Uh, anyways, I, I think it's pretty sad, but it's probably a wrap on the season for the Pelicans. I don't think that they'll even make the play-in game. Uh, but I think next year they could make a lot of noise. But it's going to be, next year is going to be, um, you know, the big judgment time for the Pelicans and seeing how they actually, you know, stack up and seeing if Zion can actually stay healthy. And if not, they're going to have some tough decisions to make. Moving on to Memphis, and they were a pretty easy addition into me uh, for me into one piece away. Um, they're 36 and 23. Some would argue that they're a contender. They're second in the Western Conference. Uh, newsflash: I don't like them. Uh, I, that's not a very hot take these days because they've gone above and beyond to put a target on their back between different interviews and off the court storylines and this and that. I mean, I don't think there's anybody in the league more unlikable than Dylan Brooks. I can't freaking stand that guy. Uh, but looking past my personal opinions on the roster and how it's constructed, uh, they have some very real concerns. Uh, very notably, ever since the uh, Shannon Sharp on-court incident <laughs> during uh, a, a primetime game, I think it was against the Lakers, um, they've been 5-10. and 10. They're 5-10 and 10 in their last 15. Um, granted, some of those games, most of those games have been without Steven Adams, but I don't really think that excuses the problem because the problem that they had is, is their half-court offense. It's terrible. I think that they are a team that, because they are so young, because they do have a, a, some solid depth, that they're really well-constructed for the regular season. They take every game very seriously. They play very hard. But once the playoffs start and the pace slows down and half-court offense becomes more important, they don't really have a guy to create their own shot. I mean, obviously, John ja Morant, if him, you know, turning himself into a missile and just projecting himself at the rim isn't successful, I don't really know what their backup plan is. Uh, you know, Bain has, has certainly increased his scoring output, but he's still just kind of more of a movement shooter at this point. Um, it would have been cool to see them, instead of targeting a guy like Luke Kennard, who obviously helps space the floor, who they acquired from Los Angeles Clippers at the deadline, it would have been cool to see them go out and get a guy 
who I have to imagine is on the market. We haven't got to Utah yet, but a guy like Jordan Clarkson could be a great fit. It's like a heat check guy off the bench and someone that could ignite his own offense for Memphis. I think that would have been really beneficial and, and maybe could have even put them in the contender zone if they had got a guy like that. Uh, but they put a target on their back, man, and now everyone's playing hard against them. Frankly, they should have lost the Minnesota series uh, last year in the playoffs if Minnesota didn't do make all the same mistakes that, that the Grizzlies made at, at a higher level. Um, so I'm just not high on Memphis. I, I don't think it's going to shock anybody if they get if they get bounced in the second round. I think that's kind of their destiny for this season. But there is still a lot to be excited about with the amount of young talent on the roster. Moving on, we have the Denver Nuggets, who are 43-19. and 19. They are first in the Western Conference. And for me, this was a no-brainer in uh, another addition into the contender tier, the top tier that we have here. Uh, a lot of people are, are maybe a little skeptical on Denver, maybe not as much as what there were before the season because we just haven't really seen them have you know playoff success yet. Uh, it's a totally different roster than what they have last year. You know, I mean, I guess not a totally different roster, but it's a totally different uh, team anyway, just because of the additions or, or the return of Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. Mainly Jamal Murray. If, if you get a, if you get eighty five percent out of what you got from Jamal Murray during the bubble season, if you get that in this year's playoffs. They could be coming out of the West. They are my pick to come out of the West. Um, I think that they had a sneaky, really great trade deadline as well. Uh, for those that don't know, they did send away Bones Highland um, in, a, in a couple different deals. Uh, they also brought back Reggie Jackson and Thomas Bryant. Thomas Bryant is a key addition there. He's the center that they picked up from the Lakers. Uh, really because their glaring weakness is their non-Jokic minutes. It's still not going to be pretty. But it is going to be so much better now that they picked up Thomas Bryant because he is going to be eating up DeAndre Jordan's minutes. Um, DeAndre Jordan is a corpse at this point. Um, loved DeAndre Jordan when he was in his prime about a decade ago. Uh, but he is one of the worst players in the NBA currently and was getting real minutes for a Denver team that was still somehow sitting atop the Western Conference. So Thomas Bryant does allow give them some floor spacing. He, he gives them a lot younger legs. Um, they are going to be able to survive those non-Jokic minutes a lot better. Um, and, you know, Murray and Porter Jr. are still steadily improving each and every game here. Uh, Aaron Gordon's having a career year. They are contenders, and they are my pick to come out of the West. And uh, we'll talk about who they'll be likely facing in the Western Conference Finals in a little bit here. Moving on, we have uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves, who I'm repping with my T-shirt here today. Uh, they are 31-32. and 32, and for me, it was kind of a no-brainer that they are headed into good team, bad vibes. Uh, there are some things to be excited about with Minnesota. That much is obvious. You have Anthony Edwards. You have the Hustle movie. Fantastic film. If you didn't watch it, Anthony Edwards was great in that movie. Um, you know, obviously, I think that the, the silver lining for the Timberwolves this season, if I really had to pick one... You know, they're staring down the barrel of, of not being in the playoffs. They'll be in the play-in game. I don't even really like their chances in it. Their silver lining is that their front office has a semblance of an excuse because Cat has been out for basically, what, three months now? And at this point, it's still not clear if he has a timetable. People are still saying he's going to return at some point this season. But it's really bad, man. You traded... And again, this has been stated so many times, but it, it's funny to me at this point. Like, they traded Walker Kessler, four first-round picks, an additional swap, Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, um, and Patrick Beverly for Rudy Gobert. If they could just undo the trade, they, you would Utah wouldn't even give you Walker Kessler for Rudy Gobert to trade back straight up. Like, that's how bad it is. And so when you have a dark cloud like that hanging over the team, 
the vibes are never going to be good. Like they've had moments here and there. And uh, I do think Anthony Edwards has certainly shown improvement this season. I like the move that they made in the deadline, as I talked about in a previous episode and swapping out D'Angelo Russell for Mike Conley, getting some more veteran presence on that team. But it's not going to be enough. There's, there's still, there, it was an awful basketball fit between Gobert and Towns when they were together on the court earlier in the season. And with them having as extremely limited reps, you know, because of Cat's injury, it's not going to be any better when Cat comes back. That front office is terrible. It, 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 they made a terrible move in the offseason, and the only silver lining is that at least they get to make an excuse for this pathetic season by saying that, hey, we didn't have Carl Anthony Towns. We didn't have our second best player. So uh, something to be mindful of, but I would not be scared of seeing Minnesota in a play-in game and certainly not scared of seeing them in the first round. Uh, that was pretty negative. I'm sorry about that, uh, Minnesota fans. Uh, let's move on to a much more positive situation uh, and talk about the Utah Jazz. Uh, 31 and 31. This is an easy addition. They're eighth in the West. An easy addition in the league pass all stars. What a treat. What an absolute treat of a season the Utah Jazz are having. They just hosted the all star game in Salt Lake City. Uh, they had an all star. I mean, what? I, I'm not a betting guy, but can somebody please tell me what the odds were before the season of, of Utah Jazz having an NBA all star? Like, I don't, I'm sure that they didn't even exist because that's how improbable it was that Laurie Markin made the all star team. Uh, and not only that, like, they do have a young core. Like, they have a collection of guys that I think you can build around. Markkinen uh, is a little older than you think just because I think he's in year five or six now. But uh, regardless, he's still, you know, going to be a cornerstone for the franchise moving forward. Uh, as I just mentioned, acquiring Walker Kessler, who was a first-round pick of the Timberwolves uh, this past offseason and immediately traded at the Utah Jazz in that Gobert trade. He's been unbelievable and really hit his stride lately. He's, ironically enough, plays extremely similarly to Gobert with uh, some semblance of an offensive game. Um, he's an incredible rim protector, a great rebounder as well. Um, and then they also have guys in Colin Sexton, and then the other rookie that they got that they drafted that didn't hasn't gotten as much publicity. Um, I guess he actually came over in a trade uh, from Cleveland. I think he must have been in that Donovan Mitchell trade. Ochai Abaji's been a fantastic three and D option for them. Um, he's young. He plays hard. He's been shooting the ball well lately as well. Um, really high on Abaji, and I think that they have four guys that you can build around. And even with them, you know, punting away Jared Vanderbilt, Malik Beasley, and Mike Conley at the trade deadline, they recouped another first round pick. Uh, Trader Danny is, is going crazy. They have 14 first-round picks uh, through 2029, which is pretty incredible. Obviously, that's mainly a collection of their own picks, uh, the picks from Cleveland and the picks from Minnesota. They are they're playing with house money, man. Like I would, ex I would tell you that I would expect them to fall down the standings a little bit more and, and try to get into the, the slim chance at Wemby zone. But I don't. I think they're too good, man. Like the team makes sense as it's currently constructed. I really like where they're at, and, and they're just having an awesome season. Um, shout out Danny, easy, easy choice for executive of the year, in my opinion. Uh, moving on, we have another league pass all-star in the Oklahoma City Thunder. They are 28 and 32. They're 13th in the West. Um, but man, they've had a really exciting season. Shea has been fantastic. And one thing I quickly want to backtrack and talk about how they're 28 and 32 and they're technically 13th in the West. They're also five games out of the four seed, so that's just something to be mindful of. Like the entire Western Conference from like four through 13 is separated by five games, which is nuts. Uh, I do think that the Thunder are, are going back to their old ways, and Sam Presti is just sitting there like, man, you know, right now we're sitting there and we're, you know, what are we? We're uh, at like a 10% chance of getting Wembenyama currently, so we might as well just keep creeping down the standings and making sure we have a good chance. 
Um, they've kind of planted those seeds because Shea Gilgis Alexander, their all star who's averaging over 30 points a game, has been out with ankle soreness <laughs> immediately after the all star break for two consecutive games now. Uh, I would expect a little bit more occurrences like that as they as they you know pull Jalen Williams and Shea Gilgis Alexander out of the lineup. But um, even in a year without Chet, they're they're playing fantastic. They have incredible five man young core and Shea, Chet, uh, you know Josh Giddy, Jalen Williams, and Lou Dort. Um, they've been a really exciting team to watch. You know, obviously when all those guys are playing, um, and you have to be really excited as a Thunder fan. I don't even know how many first round picks that they have, but it's a million, um, and they should have a, a you know at least a slim chance at landing Wembenyama or at least a top pick in this upcoming draft as well. Next, we have the Portland Trailblazers, and it's this is this is putting me in a bad spot, frankly. Um, you know, coming off of, you know, Dame's 71-point performance for me to just be like, yep, they're in purgatory, but that's exactly what I'm going to do. Um, they're 29-31 and 31 even after last night's huge win, and they're only 11th in the West. They're not even in the play-in game right now. Um, and it's it's tough, man. Like, you know, you have Damian Lillard, so I was, I was tempted to put them in the league pass All-Stars, but... I just I couldn't get there because I I'm, I'm night to night I'm not as as excited on watching them. I think the only time you are really excited to watch them is if you know Shaden Sharp throws down an incredible dunk or Damian Lillard you know has a performance like he did last night. Obviously, uh, but you know they're you know Dame is just so allergic to running from the grind that it's it's actually tough. Like you know if, if he would have just given any sort of reason for the front office to move on from him and, and trade him to greener pastures and hit the reset button where they can actually recoup some draft picks, like they're they're just in purgatory. That's what they are. They're in no man's land where they're competitive enough to not get a super high lottery pick and not have a chance at top tier talent. And they keep making weird moves. Like they traded away, you know, they traded for Matisse Thybulle. They Signed Gary Payton and then immediately traded him away because that acquisition never made sense in the first place. You know, they're just, they just don't have a, a real direction right now. And, and sadly, that's going to be the case, you know, with Damian Lillard over the next couple years. I love Damian Lillard. I love, you know, his personality. I think it's honorable that he does want to stay in Portland. But ultimately, they're not going to win a championship. It's just not going to happen. Um, and they would be a better team for it if they just moved on from Dame. I do want to talk about the performance from last night real quick because, again, if you didn't know, I, I mentioned this and alluded to this earlier, Dame scored 71 points against the Rockets. That game was everything you wanted to see in a player scoring 71 points or having a big game in general, right? Like, you know, Dame had 40 in the first half, so everybody's switching their league pass over to Rockets Blazers. It certainly wasn't going to be on the top of anyone's list otherwise. And so we put it on, and in the second half, in the fourth quarter specifically, to close out the game, Dame got hot again. And it was exactly what we wanted. It was just clear it out, give it to Dame. Rockets playing pretty ass defense like they have all season, so that was fun to watch. Um, but it was perfect. There was no, like, oh, this is my moment. There was no, like, you know, Cam Reddish did take one questionable shot down the stretch, but I think it was fine because at that point Dame was pretty gassed and had just bricked one and basically waved him off. Uh, but it was pretty sweet to see, like, you know, as fans, exactly what we wanted to see. I guess it would have been a little cooler if it was more competitive and, and Dame got to really play out the last couple minutes due to necessity, but he did stay out there for a while. He got 71, and it was an all-time scoring performance and, and, you know, textbook Damian Lillard, so that was a lot of fun. And, and real quick, I'm still... I'm still kind of in on Cam Reddish. I'm not. I know that they acquired him at the deadline, and I said that that was a weird move. In the same breath, I'm going to turn around and say I don't hate the acquisition. I still like Cam. Uh, I think it's mainly rooted in the fact that I ran into well, his parents. We watched him play in the Hoop Hall Classic in Springfield, Massachusetts. Uh, you know, probably about seven, eight years ago now, um, and his 
you know, dad was sitting there courtside wearing a kill a cam t-shirt, uh, with, you know, I think it was his son, Cam Reddish, of course, wearing the, the Cameron, uh, pink mink and it said kill a cam on it. And it was just probably the best player merch I've ever seen. Certainly for a player in high school, uh, that guy's got way too much dog in him to not, you know, pan out in the NBA at some point. So hopefully, uh, Portland will have some, some pieces to pair up with Damian Lillard and Cam Reddish, but that might be wishful thinking. Uh, moving on to a much more difficult decision, we have the Los Angeles Clippers, and I thought long and hard about this, and I, I had flip-flopped you know, between the contender tier and one piece away from them for a while, and ultimately I landed on contender, but it was I was pretty begrudg- begrudgingly, excuse me, put them in this tier. Reason being is, it just really pisses me off that they just signed Westbrook, like I, I don't understand it. You know, I kind of feel like that that recent transaction is a bit of a Ty Lu heat check where, you know, he obviously has a reputation uh, reputation of being a fantastic coach. And I just think that them going out and signing the guy that everybody in the media shits on and everybody, you know, doesn't want to have on their team um, is just kind of a bit of a flex at this point. I understand they need somebody to eat up minutes at the point guard position, and you're not going to trust Bones Highland, who you just acquired from Denver, uh, to do that right away. Um, and only his second season. So, you know, I guess there is some logic behind it. But I think you just live with Reggie Jackson at that point. I know that they traded Reggie Jackson to get Mason Plumley, But um, I think if you just hold on to Reggie Jackson and find some other asset on your team to move um, in order to achieve more front court depth, that's what you do. Uh, but I just hate the Westbrook acquisition. But so for that reason, I almost wanted to punish them and put them in one piece away. Uh, but... I kind of turned and looked at what Kawhi has done specifically in the last 15 games. He's played in 13 of 15, which is an achievement within itself. And more importantly, he's you know putting up 28, 6, and 4 on 50% shooting from 3 and 53% from the field as well. He's all the way back, and he's doing it on both ends of the court as well. He's, been, he's back to being an elite two-way player. He's been fantastic lately, and really this is just a vote in confidence of Kawhi and that this is going to be the year we finally see a, a healthy Kawhi and Paul George in the postseason. Um, obviously, that's a terrible health bet, but I'm going to put them there because I think when healthy, they have the pieces to contend in the West. I could see a world in which they win a championship this season. They are going to need a lot of great luck, uh, but you know that's what you need to, to have to win a championship in most cases anyway. So I feel okay about putting the Clippers in in the contender tier. I just wish that uh, they didn't go out and sign Russell Westbrook because I think that hurts their chances more than it helps them. Moving on. Back-to-back contenders here. We have the Phoenix Suns, currently sitting 33-29, and 29, fourth in the West. Again, that kind of starts off the, the point in the Western Conference standings where they, um, where, you know, it's all clumped together all the way down from 4 to 13. I feel like Phoenix is, is a lot of people's pick to come out of the West, and there's a lot, there's a great argument to make for that. I'm just not there yet. I do think at some point the cohesion between a team matters, obviously, Um Despite that being the case, I think that Kevin Durant fitting alongside Chris Paul, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, and some of the depth that they have coming off the bench is as good of a basketball fit, as good of a home run basketball fit as you can get. I just can't get them to the point where I'm past, I I put them ahead of Denver. Uh, Because I think that cohesion matters, because I think that they are admittedly a terrible health bet between, you know, Chris Paul and, and Kevin Durant specifically. But, you know, the other side of the coin is just that I am so excited to see what this team looks like at full strength. It's going to be unbelievable to watch. For me, the most fascinating part is going to be watching Chris Paul as, like, a fourth option on offense. Like, for him to have Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, DeAndre Ayton, who's been playing really well lately, uh, alongside of him, like, 
it might unlock a part of his game. And, and he's already bounced back a little bit in the last 15 games. I want to say CP's put up 15-9, to nine, which is uh, much higher than his numbers previously in the season. You know, his, his shot still hasn't come all the way back to what you would expect from Chris Paul. Uh, and in that same stretch of games, Aiden's been putting up 23-11. and 11. So um, the return of Devin Booker has done wonders. I think that's a, a main reason as to why you've seen a little boost in CP's production. And, and the burden on his shoulders is only going to be lightened further once Kevin Durant actually starts playing for this team. So they're a contender. They're not quite my pick to come out of the West right now. Uh, but they're going to be a lot of fun, and, and they're going to, you know, it's, I, I really hope we get a Western Conference Finals between Denver and Phoenix. I think that would be a lot of fun. Moving on, we have the Sacramento Kings. They are 35-25. and 25. That, that is good for third place in the Western Conference. They've distanced themselves from Phoenix. And I really I really have three three words to say on the Sacramento Kings. Light the beam. Light the beam, baby. I, I love, I love the Kings. Um, I think that the Kings season has, you know, with that, let me let me rank them real quick. I say all that just to put them in league pass all stars, <laughs> which is which is kind of disrespectful um, for them being third place in, in a loaded Western Conference. But I think that's where I have to leave them uh, because I don't think that they're a real threat to win the title, and I don't even think that they're one piece away either. But let me just kind of backtrack and sing the Kings' praises a little bit. They've been such a fun team all season. They can score the shit out of the basketball is what it comes down to. Uh, they're first in offensive ranking, so that, you know they play at a very high, uh, very fast pace. Uh, they know how to score the ball. They're only 25th in defensive rating, which makes sense when you take a look at their roster. But you know they obviously caught a lot of flack for you know at the trade deadline last year trading for Sabonis um, and trading away um, Ty- Tyrese Halliburton, who's obviously been young and, and he's young and incredible and an all star in his own right over there with Indiana. But it does. You know, it did unlock an element to De'Aaron Fox, of course, who was a first-time All-Star. Um, they're a super exciting team to watch. I love what they've done. And, of course, the light the beam gimmick, for those that don't know, um, they shoot a giant purple beam into the sky from the Golden One Center every time they win their home court arena. And it's freaking sick. And I really just think that this entire season might be just a result of, of the best marketing that I've, I've probably ever seen from an NBA team. Um, every the whole league is excited about it every time they win. I love saying light the beam, um, and it's really awesome to see you know the Kings have as successful as a season as what they've had. Uh, that being said, you know they're the three seed in the West. I think every team that is you know in in that conglomerate it, from four to thirteen is going to be licking their chops at the idea of getting the sixth seed. If Sacramento stays at the three, like they just are not battle tested. I don't know if anyone on their entire team really has been in a playoff series. I guess besides Harrison Barnes, I forget that he's been there for like a decade, um, basically since leaving Golden State. So they do have you know some veteran presence and they have some leadership in the locker room, but their star players haven't been battle tested in the playoffs. And so uh, I'm not expecting them to get out of the first round, and I don't even think they'll be the favorite to get out of the first round. But um, super fun team to watch on League Pass. You know, got to be happy if you're a Kings fan. You know, they're going to break the longest playoff drought uh, streak in the NBA, which is exciting. So uh, shout out the Kings fans. I know you're not listening. There's no chance this podcast ever finds the ears of a Kings fan. But if they do, light the beam. Uh, next, we have the Golden State Warriors, uh, currently sitting at 31-30. and 30. That's good for 7th in the Western Conference, and this was a relatively tricky one. But out of respect, I am going to put them back in the contenders tier. Um, I, I know I just, you know, I'm kind of speaking out of both sides of my mouth here because I just talked about the importance of cohesion and getting reps in with your guys uh, with the Phoenix Suns, and I'm just going to, you know, go ahead and put 
a, a really banged up Golden State team in the contenders, but they have so many reps together with their core over the years that if they're fully healthy, it really would not shock me to make another title run. But I have to admit, like, right now it's not looking great. They're obviously at 7th, and, you know, with a couple bad games, they could drop all the way down to 13. They're just fighting an uphill climb because... Let, let's, let's go through the list real quick. Steph is banged up. Draymond, I think, is getting an MRI at some point today. I don't know exactly what that... Uh, for what the exact details of that MRI revealed and, and how serious that injury is, but he's banged up. They traded for Gary Payton the second um, after, you know, letting him walk in the offseason. He signed with Portland. Portland traded him back in, in a deal for James Wiseman. Um, and they, you know, basically found out after initiating the trade that Gary Payton the second is banged up. And that actually almost put the entire trade on hold. Uh, it turns out that, he, you know, that injury is relatively serious. The exact details aren't fully disclosed, but that was going to be a really big pickup for them at the deadline that might not come to fruition for a couple weeks here. And then, of course, you have Andrew Wiggins, who's, I guess, dealing with some sort of personal slash family issues that have kept him out a couple of games, and we really have no information on that. That being said, they're down a lot of guys, and they're in a really tight-knit Western Conference with a lot of playoff-hungry teams. So, you know, this, this is really the fork-in-the-road moment for them. You know, the, the silver lining is that, you know, Clay Thompson, if there was any question on his health or, or his stature in the league, you know, they've been answered. He's been averaging 20, 25 points a game over the last 15 games. He's been fantastic. He's all the way back. Assuming that they do make the playoffs and make another run, you know, you're almost certainly going to be getting more from Clay Thompson than what you got last season, which was, of course, good enough to win an NBA title. You know, I think that this just, you know, they made a really calculated bet on their young guys in James Wiseman, Jonathan Kaminga, uh, Moses Moody, and that didn't, no, that hasn't paid dividends yet. Obviously, they cut bait on Wiseman. I think that was the right move. At least they brought back someone in Gary Payton II who can, you know, immediately make a positive impact for them when healthy. Um, but right now, I think that the, the key and the catalyst of, of their healthy players anyway is Jonathan Kaminga. They need him to be a real piece of their rotation. They need him to be a spark. They need him to be, you know, a, an elite defender, which I think at the mo for the most part he's been at times. And he needs to be big for them during this upcoming playoff run um, where he really wasn't a, a part of their rotation for most of the series last year. So a lot of pressure on Kaminga there. Um, you know, it could go one of two ways for the Warriors, but I feel pretty good about putting them in the contenders tier when they're healthy. Um, the last team that we have here is the Los Angeles Lakers, fresh off of a really fantastic win against the Dallas Mavericks yesterday, uh, primetime game, uh, which was awesome. I already detailed that they made a really great comeback despite some really terrible shooting in the first half. I am going to put the Lakers in one piece away. I'm pretty high on the Lakers overall. I absolutely love what they did at the deadline, and I don't think that that could have been better documented than you know through the game yesterday. It was an absolute masterclass from Jared Vanderbilt for those that didn't watch. He was absolutely incredible on, on Luka Doncic. Um, he played fantastic defense and, and really visibly pissed him off the entire game and, and was ultimately the turning point in the game. Um, they did, you know, Anthony Davis came on late and took advantage of the Mavericks' insanely weak front court, uh, which was encouraging to see. You know, their roster's good. They have, I, oddly enough, essentially 11 guys that are playing real minutes for them right now, which I think is pretty interesting. It's going to be interesting to see who, you know, kind of makes. Who gets cut from that rotation, whether it's a guy like Lonnie Walker, Troy Brown Jr., um, you know, who, who falls out of the rotation come playoff time because they have to cut that down to an 8-9 man rotation at some point. Um, but they're in this, you know, kind of tinkering phase. But um, they're kind of appointment viewing from here on out, for me anyway, because they're fighting an uphill battle. They're 29-32 and 32 and they're 12th in the West. And here I am saying that they're one piece away. But, you know, their window is, is a lot 
uh, a lot shorter than a lot of these other teams because of LeBron's age. Because you know you got to take advantage of a healthy Anthony Davis when you have him. Um, but I do think that there is a world in which the Lakers contend for a championship as soon as this season. You can call me crazy. I just I don't like betting against LeBron and Anthony Davis if they're healthy. You would need to get the same exact version of Anthony Davis that you got at the beginning of the season, and you would need all those other pieces um, that you acquired at the deadline to break right, including D'Angelo Russell, who I haven't talked much about. Um, that being said, I feel pretty good about putting them in one piece away. And I think that covers it. I think we made it through all 30 teams uh, pretty spot-free. Um, this was a lot of fun. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I am going to run through the teams one more time just so you can, can see where we're at. I'm also going to take this and post it uh, on the Words with Wallace social medias afterwards, so hopefully we can spark a healthy debate if I, if I misplaced any of the teams here. Uh, but in the contending tier, I have six teams, uh, two teams from the East and four teams from the West. Uh, I have the Boston Celtics, the Milwaukee Bucks, Denver Nuggets, Los Angeles Clippers, Phoenix Suns, and the Golden State Warriors in my contenders tier. In the one piece away, my second tier, I have the Cavs, the 76ers, the Heat, the Dallas Mavericks, the Memphis Grizzlies, and the Lakers. In my third tier, which I have labeled the League Pass All-Stars, I have the New York Knicks, the Orlando Magic, the Indiana Pacers, New Orleans Pelicans, Utah Jazz, the Oklahoma City Thunder, and the Sacramento Kings. Again, for League Pass All-Stars, I'm kind of evaluating on the age of their team, how fun they are to watch, and some of their draft assets. So if you see you know, a team like the Magic that's at the bottom of the standings in Tier 3, that's why. Moving on to my fourth tier, which I have labeled Good Team, Bad Vibes, I have the Brooklyn Nets, the Toronto Raptors, the Atlanta Hawks, the Minnesota Timberwolves, and finally, uh, Purgatory, we have uh, the Washington Wizards, the Chicago Bulls, and the Portland Trailblazers. I would argue those are the three worst basketball situations in the entire NBA right now, um, despite the fact that our sixth and final tier, uh, winless for Wembenyama, uh, that consists of the Hornets, the Spurs, the Rockets, and the Pistons. Uh, despite the fact that all those teams are lower on the standings, at least they have a glimmer of hope in landing Wembenyama um, and having at least some young assets on those teams for the most part. So uh, definitely let me know what you guys think, uh, what you think of the list that I created, what you think of this format, uh, what you think of the giant watermark that is going to be across this entire tier maker on YouTube. Um, and from here on out, I'm hoping to bring on some more guests. That The reason I didn't speak on the Celtics too much, as I mentioned before, my good friend RJ Rezaza is going to be joining me uh, to talk some Celtics on next week's episode. And from that, up, that point forward, I'll look to bring on a couple more people that I'm connected with with a couple different NBA teams. i got to work out with their schedules to see if they'd be available and willing to come on the pod here. But hoping to do some more individually focused uh, breakdowns on specific teams, and then, of course, cover any major storylines that pop up between now and then. Um, thank you guys so much. I know this is my longest episode yet for sure, uh, but be sure to share the show, follow the podcast, at Words with Wallace on everything. That includes uh, Spotify, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, uh, wherever you get your podcasts, Facebook. Uh, definitely share the show. Tell a friend. Let me know what you think. And without further ado... I'm going to hit this button, get up out of here, and you guys have a great night. I'll talk to you next week.